This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome you to the Warning Radio program. Do you enjoy this program? If you do, I really need your help. As we close out the year 2022, we are $69,000 in the red. We spent more money than we took in, and we're just talking about maintaining our budget. Can you help me make up the difference? Also, two of our computers went down, one radio and the other our media computer. $2,000 have already come in for that, but we also need another $1,600, $1,600. Maybe God would speak to you about helping us in that area. If you want to pay the whole thing, that would be wonderful. If you want to just pay part of it, anything would help. We also need another $13,000 if we're going to pay off our ministry van to use Crossing America, sparking another great awakening. As you know, we need another great awakening. I need you to help me in this area to spark another great awakening. I need a good vehicle. I need another $13,000 to pay off that ministry van. I would love to give a bonus for my staff. I have three people full-time. They sacrifice a lot. One works absolutely free. I'd love to give them $500 a piece. Anything over $1,500 would come in. I would apply to the $69,000 I need to make up. Remember my phone number, 360-629-5248, my website, www.worldministries.org, www.worldministries.org. You can give us a donation either way, by telephone or the website. If you want to send me a check, make it out to WMI, P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. Make it out to WMI, P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. Again, that's World Ministries International, P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. Today you're going to hear a message where I spoke at Turning Point City Church in Dixon, Illinois, titled Burning Cities and Judgment on America. Also goes into the kingly anointing. Let's begin. Now, I want to talk a little bit about burning cities. Judgment on America, because it's coming, and it's here, but it's only going to escalate. God has a lot to say about sin and judgment. If there is no repentance, sin brings judgment. The Bible, a document written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is God speaking to mankind, giving warning of what brings blessings and what brings curses. 
The Science of Judgment. I've got a, a few copies of that book left back there. Let me just read you what's inside of it. Just the titles. Listen to this. Chapter 1, The Laws Regarding Prophecy and Judgment. 2, Patterns of Apostasy. 3, Purpose of Chastisement. Standards for Justice and Mercy. God forgives when people repent. God holds nations responsible for what leaders do. Parental responsibility, the feast of the Lord. Solomon's transgressions and their consequences. Righteous kings versus evil kings. The example of King Jehoshaphat. Ungodly alliances. God is predictable. God holds people accountable. Man can turn into an intelligent beast to do evil. Problems with a theory of evolution, evolution and racism, Darwin's hatred of Christianity and its fruit, the fall of America and her destruction, cult Christianity, radical liberal politics. People choose their nation's leaders. You know, people say, well, God put them, God didn't put these barbarians, Stalin, Hitler, Mussolini, Obama. He didn't put these people into office. We put them into office. You better understand that God would never put them in. God's purpose is for the righteous to rule. We have not taken our responsibility. There is such a thing as a Christian's responsibility to a hostile government, and I don't see a Christian taking that responsibility right now. Not near enough to overturn this takeover of the United States. We're in a revolution. Qualifications for godly leadership. Romans 13, delegated authority. You know, dictators and communists take that way out of context every nation on earth. They use it to manipulate the church. You know, if you study that, we're all under a higher authority. Government is under a higher authority. That's God. That's Jesus Christ. And if a government violates the word of God, we're supposed to hold them accountable. Are you there? Dietrich Bonhoeffer understood that. He actually was involved in an assassination attempt against Hitler. Where the rest of the church ignored what was going on and they were taken over, 11 million Christians died, 6 million Jews. Very few Christians know their responsibility to a hostile government. In the past, a lot more knew. But today, in the past, like in the American Revolution, they would take off their robes, grab their muskets, be the officers, and led the call for freedom. Are you there? I understand the difference between self-defense, justifiable homicide, a righteous army, legal execution, or I could have never been on the SWAT team a sniper. Are you there? There's a difference in all of that when it's legally your responsibility to resist evil, to protect your wife from rape, for legal execution, for protecting your nation with a righteous army. It's all through the Bible. God made the laws for execution, for murder and other crimes. We don't seem to know what's right and wrong anymore. We can't identify you know, if we are men or if we're eunuchs. You know, somehow they castrated us because we don't even know the truth anymore. And you got a bunch of women behind the pulpit. I'm sorry, women. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's a hot potato, isn't it? There's a lot of good women that can minister, amen? And better than some of these eunuchs behind the pulpit. Okay, that'll preach. That'll preach. Satan is in charge of this world, not Jesus. You say, God is in charge. No, he's not. I don't believe it. My Bible doesn't say it. I got a whole chapter on it. You can look it up and then argue once you read it, if you dare. God is not responsible for the insanity going on in the world today. Satan is responsible. Don't blame God. And blame the church that is allowing it to happen like Adam allowed it to happen in the garden. 
When Jesus returns to earth at the Battle of Armageddon, he rules and reigns for a thousand years. Okay, you can blame him if something goes wrong. But don't blame Jesus now. You blame you and me and Satan. But it's not Jesus' fault. Use some common sense. How can you blame Jesus for all of the evil immorality that's going on all through the nations? It's not Jesus' fault at all. It's a church that doesn't take its God-given responsibility. If laws violate conscience, we must disobey. We're in a cultural war. Our responsibility to a hostile government, the Christian science of judgment. Four sins bring judgment on a nation, idolatry, immorality, killing the innocent, and dividing the land of Israel. Again, we talked about spiritual giants that we had in some countries, like German clergy, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, resisted Hitler and the Nazis. And I could go into all of what he did. It was fabulous how he was involved with the underground and led underground church leadership seminaries when it was outlawed. And he understood Romans 13. He understood it. During the American Revolution, Minister John Peter Gabriel Molenberg took off his robes. During a sermon he was preaching, recruited 160 men out of his own congregation on the spot. And he led him as a colonel and then promoted to a general. And later on, was a senator. They led the call to freedom. They already were under tyranny in Britain, and they didn't want to go there again. Are you there? We are under God, not man. The Constitution and Bill of Rights, we are under God, unless you give it up. I've taught on it, I've preached on it, Germany all over again, because I'm seeing it all over again. We're losing our freedoms, and, you know, I was saying nobody, but you know what I mean? The majority, nobody is doing anything. Why aren't they screaming? Why aren't they rebelling? They can't stop you if you rebel. They have to give up. We didn't have to play this mass game for the last year. They're seeing how far they can push you. You know, if they would have told people, if you go on your hands and knees, the virus will go over your head, you'd have seen people walking on their hands and knees. <laughs> that is how stupid people are. Doctors saying well, what you're wearing doesn't help you a bit. In fact, you're inhaling things that probably do more damage to your body than... My goodness, I've got over 100 doctors that refuse to take this and say it's nonsense. Yeah, is there a problem? Sure. But it's just another variation of the flu. They're trying to control you. You're going to believe liars that are controlling and toppling the nation? You're going to believe these people? Where are the bold men of God with such uncompromising, unwavering faith that they resist tyranny and bring a nation on Judeo-Christian values? That's what made our nation great is we did it once. We did it once and became the greatest nation on the face of the earth. A beacon of light to evangelize the world and bring freedom to the nations. Who brings freedom once we lose our nation? It's over. You've got your new world order, your one world government, your United Nations, your European Union. America has cowards behind the pulpit, entrepreneurs, manipulators, entertainers, pastors who twist the scriptures ignorantly or purposely compromising the truth to keep their giving units attending and giving them money. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor since 1985. I love the bride of Christ. I don't like fellow clergy manipulating the bride of Christ. There's a lot of scripture dealing with that and the judgment awaiting these people that shear the flock. I know Don doesn't like it. I have been listening to him. When you go with him, Patsy, you probably sometimes grab him by the leg, huh? Now, Don, don't cause trouble in this place. You got a warrior here, amen? That's why I like him. I like him. Amos 7, 7 through 9. Thus he showed me, and behold, the Lord stood upon a wall made by a plumb line with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said unto me, Amos... What do you see? And I said, a plumb line. 
Then said the Lord, Behold, I will send a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will not again pass by them any more. I believe America has had its final warning. Yes, we're sounding the alarm, but this is our last hurrah. We're going to come under tyranny or we're going to prevent it. You better understand this. I know eventually millions are going to die in America before you see a national revival. I know that. Are we going to stop this tyranny or are the millions going to start to die? I know a war is coming and we're going to lose that. When the kings of the north, led by Germany, the Pope's involved, the European Union, we lose. It's in Scripture. You can pray all you want. You're not going to change Scripture. And out of the ashes, though, you're going to see finally a remnant that's powerful again. Now, we're not going to be a world player anymore. Do we want to delay tyranny? The church can delay it. I told you that, you know, I'm very happy if, you know, Nineveh repented and they got by for 100 years. My goodness, come on, huh? Come on, let's delay it. I don't mind 100 years if judgment wants to fall in. I mean, if America doesn't want to do its job, if Christians don't want to do their job, let it fall. But right now, I'm alive. I've got a wife and boy and grandchildren and I'm going to do everything I can to try to stop it. So are you. We need to do our part. If there's not enough genuine revival, which is real repentance, first in the dysfunctional divided church, then throughout the United States of America, we're going to see a continuation of escalation of judgment. This means an eventual civil war coupled with an evasion, either simultaneously or shortly after. There are nations involved in toppling this election, stealing this election. There are outside forces involved, including the Pope. Again, if I didn't want to get into some scriptural teaching, I could take it another direction and go with evidence. You'd be shocked. Like I said, I do hold conferences and civic centers and arenas, and we spent a full eight hours going into evidence and stuff. You'd be shocked what's going on. What is going on to America as they've been working at it for a long time to implement this insidious plan of theirs to take God out of America and attack true Christians. They hate us. We're standing in the way. We're cancer. That's some of the terminology they use. We're cancer. Preventing utopia. You know, John Quincy Adams, the glory of the revolution was the bonding of government and Christianity. I mentioned in 1878, Reynolds versus United States of America, the Supreme Court ruled that Christianity and government could not be separated since the government is built upon the Bible and Christian beliefs. That was the Supreme Court at that time. John Jay, the first Chief Justice, one of the three authors of the Constitution, said it's the duty of the nation to see that it has Christian leaders. As a nation continues to refuse to repent, in my book, The Science of Judgment, I explain there comes a point of no return. A point when God is tired of warning of the consequences of our constant habitual evilness and rebellion. God is tired, meaning he knows nothing will get now our attention except discipline, except judgment. It's like if you told a kid enough and he just ignores you until you reposition his brain. All of a sudden, he's good again. <laughs> Jeremiah seven sixteen. pray not for this people. Neither lift up a cry nor prayer for them. Neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear them. Jeremiah eleven fourteen and 11. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I'll bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. Therefore, pray not thou for this people, neither lift up a cry or prayer for them, for I will not hear them in the time that they cry unto me for their trouble. Now, I'm telling you, I can read hundreds of verses. I've got a whole book over 300 pages out there dealing with judgment. Jeremiah 14, 11 through 16. Thus saith the Lord, pray not for this people for their good. When they fast, I'll not hear their cry. 
When they offer burnt offering and oblation, I will not accept them. I will consume them by the sword, by famine, and the pestilence. Then said I, O Lord God, the prophets prophesy unto them, you will not see the sword, you will not see famine. I'll give you a short peace in this place. You got lying prophets all through the country. I remember when Obama was president. You had lying prophets, national prophets. Oh, he's going to get saved. Man, he's not saved yet. Oh, there's going to be an economic revival. There was no economic revival. America crashed. Lying prophets, prosperity prophets, woke prophets. Then said the Lord, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spoke to them. They prophesy unto you a false vision, divination, a thing of naught, the deceit out of their own heart. Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that prophesy in my name, and I sent them not. Yet they say, sword and famine shall not be in this land. By sword and famine, these prophets will die. You know, I've done a week of television on people coming back from the dead, what they saw with doctors, what they saw when they died, and this and that, with doctors. I believe there's a special place in hell for pastors. Woo! I believe it. You heard what I said the first night about two angels and what the warning was. They're writing down everything the pastor's saying. And on Judgment Day, they're going to read his messages. And with his own words, they're going to vindicate him, well done, or condemn him for twisting the word of God. Boy, God help these pastors. God help them, because only he can help them. The prophets will be consumed. And the people to whom they prophesied shall be cast in the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and sword. And none will bury them, nor their wives, nor their sons, nor their daughters, for I will pour their wickedness upon them. Not only the prophets, but if you listen to these prophets, if you listen to them and obey them. Jeremiah 30, 12 through 15, For thus saith the Lord, Thy bruise, listen to this, is incurable. Thy wound is grievous. There is none to plead your cause, for thou mayest be bound up. Thou hast no healing medicines. All your lovers have forsaken you. They seek thee not, for I have wounded thee with the wound of the enemy with the chastisement of a cruel one, with a multitude of thine iniquities, because your sins were increased. Why criest thou for thine affliction? Your sorrow is incurable for the multitude of your iniquity. Because thy sins were increased, I have done these things unto you. There comes a point of no return. Ezekiel 5, 11 through 12. Wherefore, as I live, saith the Lord God, surely because you have defied my sanctuary with all your detestable things and with all your abominations, therefore I will diminish thee. Neither shall my eye spare you, neither will I have any pity. A third part of you will die with pestilence and with a famine. Thou shalt be consumed in the midst of thee. A third part followed by the sword round about, and I will scatter a third part into all the winds. I'll draw out a sword after them. Ezekiel 7, 8 and 9. Now will I shortly pour out my fury upon you and accomplish mine anger upon you. I will judge you according to your ways. I will recompense thee for all your abominations." My eyes will not spare, neither will I have any pity, but I'll recompense you according to your ways. Here's another one, Ezekiel 8, 17 through 18. I'll just go down. My eye will not spare, neither will I have pity. Though you cry in my ears with a loud voice, yet I will not hear you. Ezekiel 14, 13, 14, 16, and 18, and 20. Son of man, when the land sins against me by trespassing grievously. Then I'll stretch out my hand upon it. I'll break the staff of the bread thereof. I'll send famine upon it. I'll cut off man and beast. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they shall deliver their own souls by their own righteousness, saith the Lord. Though these three men were in it, they shall deliver neither sons or daughters. They only will be delivered by their own righteousness. And the land will be desolate. Though these three men were in it as I live, says the Lord God, they'll deliver neither son nor daughter. 
but only they will be delivered. Though Noah, Daniel, and he goes on and on. Only the righteous will be delivered by their own righteousness. Not your sons or daughters, unless they have relationship with God. Deuteronomy 28, 15, 45, 48, 49. It will come to pass if you will not hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and observe all his commandments and his statutes. All these curses will come upon you and overtake you. All these curses shall come upon you and they shall pursue thee and overtake thee till you're destroyed because you did not hearken unto the voice of your God to keep his commandments and his statutes. I will bring a nation against you. I will destroy you. You will lose to your enemies. If you want to read scripture, read Daniel 9, 11, 13, 14. Nahum 3, 19. There is no healing of thy bruise. Your wound is grievous. All that hear the brunt of thee will clap hands over you. For upon whom hath not thy wickedness passed continually? We have spread our wickedness all through the nations. We're funding right now under Biden abortion all through the world. Under Obama, when I was meeting with these African presidents, they were saying, you know what, your president, I thought you were a Christian nation. He is telling me, though, this is Obama. They'll cut off all aid to Africa, and they named the different countries as I visited the leaders, unless we put abortion, homosexuality, and Islamic courts in our constitution. That was Obama. We have spread wickedness through the nations, and they're going to clap over our defeat one day. I will cast down your dead men before your idols. I will lay the dead carcasses of your children. Now I'm reading Ezekiel 6, 1 through 14. I'm not going to read the whole thing because of time. If you're writing notes, take out Jeremiah 11, 17 through 11. You can read it. The same thing. Jeremiah 13, 25 through 27. The same thing. I have seen your adulteries. I've seen your lewdness of whoredom, the abominations in the field. Woe unto you, O Jerusalem. Jeremiah 14, 1 through 12. Pray not for this people for their good. When they fast, I'll not hear you. When you cry, offer burnt offering, I will not accept them. But I'll consume you by the sword, famine, and by the pestilence. I mean, we can just keep reading it. Jeremiah 16, 10 through 13. As it comes to pass, when thou shalt see and show these words, they shall say unto you, Wherefore hath the Lord pronounced all this great evil against you? Or what is our iniquity? Or what is our sin? that we have committed against the Lord our God, that thou shalt say unto us, because your fathers forsaken me, saith the Lord, and walked after other gods and have served them and forsaken me and have not kept my laws, and you have done worse than your fathers. For behold, you walk after everyone after his own imagination of your own evil heart, that they may not hearken unto me. Therefore will I cast you out of the land that you know not, neither you are your fathers, and there shall be other gods that will rule day and night where I will not show you favor. Since March 2020, I've had 16 dreams. Burning cities, civil war, first civil unrest, civil war, and an invasion. I'm telling you, it's coming. I read you some newspaper articles today, CIA director, what they're saying. I bet that shocked you. They're talking about millions of people being put in concentration as a camp. Millions of people dying. Did you hear one count over 220, whatever it was? I've got the newspaper clippings. I can't believe America is just ignoring all of this. This is Germany all over again. Why aren't all the pastors screaming? I just don't get it. I've been on radio and television ever since I got this information screaming, trying to wake up churches. They've told you what they're going to do. Are you waiting till they drag you out of your homes? They've told you what they're going to do. It's like the Muslims. They tell you what they're going to do and they do it. Iran tells you what they're going to do, and they do it. 
Jeremiah 11, 17 through 23, there should be no remnant for them, for I will bring evil upon the men. Jeremiah 13, 25 through 27, Jeremiah 14, 1 through 12, Jeremiah 16, 10 through 13, 2 Thessalonians 2, 10 through 12. Romans 2, 5, 6, and 8, Paul warns the sexual immoral Romans of the full cup principle. You are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will give to each person according to what he has done. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Paul warned of the full cup of iniquity principle. 1 Thessalonians 2, 14 through 16, the believers in Thessalonica are encouraged to be patient until the enemies of Christ had filled their cup of iniquity. You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches in Judea suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets. They, the Jews, displeased God and are hostile to all men in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so they may be saved. In this way, they will heap upon their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. Paul knew that the Jews had filled up their cup and that they were doomed to destruction by the Romans in 70 A.D. Jesus warned about the full cup rule during a discourse with the scribes and Pharisees after pronouncing seven curses, woes upon the hypocrisy. Matthew 23, 32 through 33 says, Fill up the measure of your forefathers, you serpents, generation of vipers. How can you escape the damnation of hell? When a nation, city, people, or person's cup of iniquity has been filled, then divine love manifests itself in judgment. God breaks his silence for divine mercy has its limits. And out of divine grace for the innocent, his wrath is poured out. God's behavior toward Israel is no different than any other nation. God's behavior is universal. The full cup principle with Israel is as follows. Israel becomes wicked. Warnings are sent from God through the prophets. When the warnings are repeatedly rejected by the people or nation, God sends destruction. Note, for example, God sent eight prophets to Israel over the period of 130 years prior to the destruction of the ten northern tribes to warn the people to repent and obey the laws of God or he would send destruction. God sent the prophets Elisha, Obadiah, Joel, Jonah, Amos, Hosea, Isaiah, and Micah. When the majority of people continue to reject the warnings of God, which is the grace and mercy of God, finally the cup of iniquity became full. God broke his silence and used the Assyrian king to bring judgment upon Israel by destroying the ten tribes of Israel in 722 B.C. Later, when the Assyrian cup of iniquity became full, God sent another nation to destroy the Assyrians. The cup of iniquity principle always takes place. It's a rule, a law designed by God himself. It is the science of judgment. Prior to the destruction of the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin, God sent five prophets out of compassion to warn them to repent. For 65 years, the prophets Nahum, Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel tried to warn them of God's anger to their sins, but they continued to reject the warnings of the prophets. We must realize God is predictable. There's a certain pattern of apostasy that is scientific to all nations. God's character of justice and mercy is known and balanced into what I call his divine love. When patterns of apostasy continue and the cup of iniquity is full, then first for redemptive purposes and then destruction. God sends a destroyer upon a nation to judge it. God uses kings as his arm of destruction. He uses them as his destroyer, kings of nations. To conquer and destroy the nation in apostasy. The people of Israel were warned about violating the terms of God's covenant. Why do people eventually have to be separated and sent and judged to eternal life or eternal damnation? God knows if he doesn't eventually separate mankind. If he lets you live any person a million years, there comes a point you will not repent. You will continue to rebel. It doesn't matter. You'll do more and more harm, and the innocent will become prey, and finally, everybody will become a victim 
because evil men will wipe out Christianity on earth. And he's going to stop this insanity. That's the grace of God. Stopping the insanity of people that would wipe out his bride. You know, the plagues of God coming against the enemies of the church. We have to prevent the evilness of man in our nation if we want to live under God's laws of blessing and prosperity. That's what we need to do. That's our responsibility. Let's get into the kingly anointing. Did you enjoy that? Can you see where we're at a little bit? I mean, believe me, we could go eight hours a day for a week on this. That book will be in over 200 Bible colleges, The Science of Judgment. We are at our cup of iniquity. This is our final warning. If we don't wake up the church and stop this insanity, God help us all. Because persecution is coming. I said this morning, we can win. We can. If we can wake up the church. But I'll tell you what. The blood's not going to be on me like Ezekiel said if I don't warn. I will warn. I will do my part. And the blood's not going to be on me. I've got eternal life. I'll be promoted. If God allows me, and again, nothing can touch you unless God allows it, we could get into so many testimonies of that. I could really get into angel stories. They've saved my life before. If I had time, I would get into it because it's really faith building. Nobody can touch you unless God allows it. This woman missionary was alone preaching in China. They were going to rape and kill her. They surrounded her. She recognized the leader. She was alone, caught in the field. She waited all night. They never attacked in the morning, they left. Two years later, she's preaching in a village. The head person accepts Christ. She says, why didn't you attack me? I was alone. I was sure you were going to kill me. She said, we wanted to. We wanted to kill you. We wanted to rape you. But he said, you had too many soldiers around you. She said, I had nobody. He said, no. You had giants around you. Giant soldiers. Way taller than my men. And when we came closer, they pulled swords out of their belt. And on the end of the sword was fire. We dared not attack you. Amen? Now, I could tell you a lot of stories. How I should have been killed in Burundi when they ambushed the bus. And God's angels prevented it. I could tell you stories of angels taking me from one country to another to a person's home. I wish I had time to do it. Let's get into the kingly anointing. In the world today, we need the power, this ability of God to overcome this global communist, atheist, and antichrist spirit sweeping through the United States of America and the nations today. Only the kingly anointing has the authority and the power it takes to do battle against these demonic forces. My message is the kingly anointing. Text John 9, 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. The wonderful thing is that he said we could also do those works. Point number one, the Lord commissioned us as his ambassadors. I'm not going to read Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You can read it. That's his commission for us to go and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's our commission. We have that commission. You know, I've pastored five churches. I was involved with a couple of mega churches. And this one church, everybody, 5,000 people caught that vision we had our own Bible school and everything else, and we sent out 300 missionaries fully supported from that one church, and 2,000 churches have been planted by that one church. They caught the vision that you are all ministers of the gospel. Can you say amen? amen. Now, you might not be all full-time ministry, pastor, prophet, evangelist, teacher, apostle, but we are all ministers. We can all move in the power of the Holy Spirit. They caught that and 
people, every week about 50 people would get saved. And Saturday would be casting demons out of many of them. Say, well, I don't believe a Christian. I don't care what you believe. I don't believe a Christian can have a demon. What have you seen? What demons have you cast out? What miracles have you done? I don't want to be sarcastic, but I'm so tired of people that are coffeehouse rabbis that have done nothing. Are you with me? They've done nothing. If a person can't have a spirit because the spirit lives in your body, then you can't have sickness. You can't have disease either. Are you there? But if you can have disease, you can have a spirit if you open the doors. And in Singapore, where they were offered as babies, if they were Hindu, they were taken to the Hindu temples and the gods and demons came into them, the monkey god and other gods. And we would cast them out and they would come out violently out of Christians, born-again Christians. You know, a lot of missionaries from a lot of different denominations changed their philosophy when they went overseas and saw reality. Instead of what they teach in a seminary that doesn't know anything. Anyway, can you forgive me if I got a little sarcastic? Does your pastor ever get sarcastic? Oh, just a little bit. I guess I'm in good company. I thought I was pretty safe. But I mean, really, sometimes we criticize over things we have no understanding. And some of these pastors, they've never done anything for God, never saw any healing, no nothing. And they try to tell you that the gifts of the Holy Spirit aren't for today. And they're hurting their people. God said, unless you are filled with it, you can't do my work on earth. You can't represent me. You don't have the power. You don't have the ability. We need the Holy Spirit. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, he shall do, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father, and whatsoever he shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. John 14, 12 through 14. You can do it. Jesus promised in no uncertain terms that we could come to the place spiritually that we could do the same works he did. He did mighty works because he was a king of kings, and we can do mighty works because we have been made kings unto God. We're priests and kings, amen? As a man, Jesus showed us what is possible when we are anointed of the Father. Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set a liberty them that are bruised. Your apostle goes into prisons and and he believes in this. I believe in this. That's why we travel the nations. That's why I gave up my career in law enforcement. I had businesses too. At one time in my 30s, I would have been a multimillionaire. And that means nothing to me anymore. Like Paul, I count it all done. What is true prosperity? Living in the will of God and seeing the bounty of God and his majesty all over the world wherever you go. I'm very well taken care of. I don't need anything. You're not going to take anything with you when your spirit leaves the body. What are you going to take with you? Nothing. But you're just going to give an account for the deeds done in the body. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost, with power, and went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Acts 10.38. Point number two, we can have the same power that Christ used. Three gifts of the Spirit, known as the gifts of power, represent, to my way of thinking, the kingly anointing. 1 Corinthians 12, 7-11. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit. For one is given the Spirit of the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge. The word of wisdom and knowledge. I went to Rwanda. You remember? Anybody watched Hotel Rwanda? Anybody? Wasn't that horrible? Well, I went to Rwanda. 
but I fasted 40 days, probably 42, because God gave me a word. You know, I told you I wait on God, spend a lot of time with God. Well, he'll give you revelation. That's where, again, you, you want to start to develop in the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, the power gifts. I was afraid to go because I'm still alive. And so when you eat your self-preservation, I fasted. You got to learn the power of fasting and prayer to put on the full armor of God and do what you're normally in the body afraid to do. Because God's afraid of nothing. So I relied on his spirit to fill me with his indwelling, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit documented in written form. And as I fasted and denied myself and filled myself with his power, I finally broke the fast and went to Rwanda. I was the only white man, believe me. And I can't tell you the whole story how I had, I had a word for Burundi too. And I had to travel through the jungles in a public bus. And they ambushed just to slatter everyone and they were screaming. And that's when the angels, one time when they saved my life. But I met with the president of parliament in Rwanda. I said, sir, I would never say this. But this is what God's saying. The majority of your parliamentarians are fools. I'm in a country, they just killed 1.3 million people. And I'm calling them a fool. But that's because I had the power of God and God was saying it. And I gave the definition of a fool, one who rejects the word of God, the laws of God, the ways of God, and under your own vanity, your own laws, you make your own system. And under your own wisdom, you have killed one-eighth of your population. You will never have peace in this nation. Your nation is damned. You're going to have coup after coup after coup unless there's a national repentance. You must lead a national repentance. And I left. A national repentance, that was the word of wisdom. The word of knowledge, God showed me Again, what was going on? And I went. Two weeks later, I get a call from the president. He said, do you remember me? I said, yes, sir. He said, are you coming back? We debated your words. The parliament did not like your words, but they came to accept that it was the truth. We have given seven days of national repentance. They met in the national stadium of 60,000, and for seven days, they repented to God and one another, and the fighting stopped, and they've had peace to this day. Hallelujah! This is what you can do. You can bring peace to nations. If you will represent God, if you'll get out of the way, if you're willing to die, if that's what he asks you to do. I always tell people when you go with me, if I have a word for a president, I can get you there, but I can't promise you I'll get you out. <laughs> because if God gives me a word, I'm going to deliver it. But I can't tell you if I want to get you out with me. Because, I, you know, unless God shows you the end of your days... I mean, I don't like to twist the word of God. Isn't that what it says in the Bible? The prophets and apostles, a lot of them died being faithful. I've sat in cells. I could go into that. I've been framed before. I've had two years where I had to defend myself. And finally, in one nation, after 33 charges against me, they said, you've been framed by corrupt pastors in this nation. That was after two years of trial. I've sat in another nation in internal security where they, they wanted to get what God had brought in for the church a half a million shillings and 20 acres and the corruption of the government. They said, if you're not afraid to die, Reverend Henson, I was taken up to the 23rd floor, Bob wire, one light bulb, just like you think it is. And they were cussing me up and down. They said, if you're not afraid to die, Reverend Henson, you've got three daughters. This is their ages. This is what their eyes are. You've got a wife. The Spirit of God came upon me. I said, you kill me or you give me back my passport, but I'm leaving. They threw it in my face, cursed me up and down, and I walked out the door, went to the American embassy. They were following the case. If I had not come out of that place, they would have had an international incident. God will give you power and authority to do what you're afraid to do in the flesh.
to faith, another faith, the gifts of healing, the working of miracles, and on and on and on. These gifts enable us to do the works of God, to be one with God. Not only in word and thought, but in deed. When we have the kingly anointing, we operate in supernatural faith to heal the sick, working of miracles, signs and wonders. The anointing has full control of us. Like I said, I believe in fasting. I used to have three different sizes of suits. One when I haven't fasted for a long time, and one when I fasted a long time, and one when I'm in the middle. <laughs> hey, I, I, uh, somebody showed me a picture of what you're advertising, and boy, I, I wasn't fasting then. <laughs> I said, wow, where did he get that picture? Probably dropped 70 pounds since then. But I believe in fasting, amen? Because I'm just like you. I can't do anything and I'm a coward. But God is not a coward and through you, you can do all things. God is not a coward. He's not afraid of anybody. He holds everybody's life in his hands and he can take the breath right out of you. I've seen him do it. We can have the same power that Christ had. Matthew 11, 1 through 5. You take it down. I've got to move on. And point number three, for what purpose does God give us this power? 1 John 3, 8, for the purpose the Son of God was manifested that we might destroy the works of the enemy. That we might destroy the works of the devil. That's why he gives you power. Amen? That we might destroy the works of the devil. That we might stop this tyranny taking over America. That we have the courage to speak the truth. Come on, say amen. He gives you this power so we can destroy the works of the enemy. The works of the devil. So your family doesn't have to be a victim. With the multitude of demons being released out of the bottomless pit, 200 million. Demons that attack and slay, kill a third of men on earth. Revelation 9, 1 through 3 and 13 through 15. We need the gifts of power that accompany the kingly anointing. It's the anointing that allows us to defeat Goliath, King Nebuchadnezzar and Pharaoh. It takes the anointing to reach the lost, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, and confront and rebuke the lukewarm church and sinners today. Praise the Lord. It takes the anointing. So many testimonies I could tell you. Romania, a lame boy. They carried him in. Withered leg, withered, withered. Just bones. If he tried to walk, he'd have to hop and drag it like a dog. He couldn't come to my crusade meetings. And the mother kept pestering the host. And finally she came and said, you know, Reverend Hans, I'm so sorry, but this woman won't let me alone. So I listened. I said, hey, I'll go. She reminds me of the woman that wouldn't take no. And the miracle happened for her. I walked in and there was about 30 people. And he, he wasn't in any of my meetings because he, he was lame. So for about 30 minutes, I told miracle stories to build up his faith. And then I prayed, prayed hard and strong for about 30 minutes. Nothing happened. A miracle happens now. Healing is progressive. And I looked at him and said, the next time I see you, I want to play football with you. Called it soccer. Romania. Okay, the next day I, I went up to the crusade. And I had two daughters that are, the one now was, I told you her story, missionary in Japan, and the other's pastor's wife. And Anyway, they, they said, Daddy, Daddy, look. I said, look at what? Well, look at the little boy. Yeah, so it's a boy. He's the boy that was lame, that did not have flesh and muscle on his leg. Overnight, when, somewhere when I left, God healed him. The van door was open. He jumped on me and was kissing me all over the place. Why, wouldn't you? Yeah. Wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd even kiss me if, if you were lame and, uh, and I prayed for you. <laughs> Amen? 
if Don and I laid hands, you'd kiss us both. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you don't get excited, I wonder, was anything wrong with you to begin with? I like it when people get excited. I don't have time to get into that, but a lady in a 5,000 seat tent and, and on the way, four flat tires, and I looked at my associate. I said, man, God, he's going to do a powerful thing because the devil doesn't want us to get there. You know, they kept dragging into song service. and When I walked in, I walked right in. Well, let me tell you, before it was over that night, I've never seen this before, but every single person in that tent, every single person, from the blind person on the front row, couldn't see anything, right on the front row, couldn't see him in the pulpit. She was slain in the spirit, liquid poured out, she could see perfectly. Uh, a man, deaf, got on, up on the pulpit, laid hands on him, and he was swinging like a top. Every single person was healed, Don. I've never seen that. And I was really hurting. I preached hard. And then virtue, you know, when you pray, virtue comes out. And I would have to kneel down. And, and some of my team would pray for me. And they said, Pastor, you got to quit. You're going to kill yourself. And I said, how can you? I was crying. I said, how, how do you quit? Every person is healed. How do you quit? Just pray for me. And they'd pray. I'd get up and pray for some more people. How do you quit? Uganda. You've been in Uganda. That was when I was fasted. Another, I, I spoke on the destiny of Uganda with politicians. And three days. Huge venue. The destiny of Uganda. Politicians, everybody there. And I'm not there for healing services. I'm, I'm there for the destiny of Uganda. What God is saying to Uganda. And the first night, thousands of people. I got thousands, not thousands, but a lot of people, a lot of leaders, including politicians, on the platform. And God shows me a lady in the back with a neck brace on. And God said, pray for her. I'd have never done it if I wasn't fasting 18 days. I said, God, when? He said, now. I said, God, this is a make or break time. This is the first of three days of meetings. This, look at these members of parliament. And she was a hunchback. God said, pray for her now. I stopped the singing. I pointed her out. I said, will you stand? I said, will you come forward? Everybody was dead quiet. It wasn't a healing service. It was the destiny of Uganda. And I said, do you believe God can heal this lady right now? Nobody said a word. I looked in the back, the bishops, nobody said a word. They were quiet. I was on a big platform. She was standing, I, I bent over, touched her, and she went, went down. Nobody was there because nobody expected anything. And she hit hard. And on the way down, she was screaming. And the devil said, look what you did to her. You know, she was a hunchback. Hunchback. She hit the floor. Crack, 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 crack. Her back straightened up. She yanked that neck brace. She went around screaming and screaming, and nobody could stop her. I said, leave her alone. I mean, you couldn't have stopped me either. I hunched back my whole life and instantly, you couldn't have stopped me. I'd have run you over. I'd have been so happy. I remember when, when the, the nodules disappeared and I picked up that urologist and swung him around. I told you God is real. You know, he, he was a Korean urologist and woo, his eyes were big. He, he was afraid. But I was excited. The nodules disappeared off my lungs. I was excited. I told you I'd tell you the story of my, my wife, and we're going to move into prayer. Remember, I shared how the angel appeared and pointed the rod, and, and the tumors disappeared out of her uterus, and she got out of bed. And, well, during the delivery, 32 hours into it, 32 hours earlier, the water broke. Earlier, 32 hours. It started off as a simple childbirth. Now, we had five doctors and six nurses in there. It wasn't simple anymore. For three hours... Four doctors were taking turns reaching in and trying to twist the baby. She was hemorrhaging. The baby was caught in a birth canal, wasn't breathing. 
came out not breathing. And she had a vision with angels coming down. She said, John, am I dying? I think the angels are going to take me up to the Lord. I said, no, don't you remember the prophecies over you and our son? The angels are here to help you with victory. You are not dying. And I started to speak the prophecies into her ears and speak in tongues, build faith. The baby came out. It wasn't breathing. I went with a baby. Doctors were working on hers. The baby started breathing. She quit hemorrhaging. And I got my wife and child. Hallelujah! I fought over the prophecies. I knew what God said about her life and my son. I wasn't going to let the enemy take them away. I want to show this. U.S. versus Somali, Christianity versus Islam, God versus Satan. Okay, hold it there. Oh, that's okay. You can turn it now. Next, this is what we saw. Miracle baby from Somalia. I was in Kenya. And uh, God said, that's your daughter. Now, I'd never wanted to uh, adopt before because I didn't know if I could love another baby uh, like my own. I'm just being honest, very transparent. This was under my first wife and... Uh, was with the Lord, and God said, that's your daughter. I picked up the phone and said, I want to adopt the baby. They said, she's severely disabled. She's been cut through the esophagus, vocal cord. It doesn't grow. She should be dead. We don't know why she's alive. You know, you cut your esophagus, you're dead. I said, I want to adopt her. Well, she's from Somalia. She's a Muslim. You can't do it. You're Reverend Hansen. You just can't do it. You can't win. It's Christianity versus Islam. It's a political case, and uh, you're an American. You can't do it. I said, I want to adopt this baby, and I will fight. So I got the best lawyer. Went home and told my wife. And she said, I have been praying for you that you would want to adopt a baby and want to adopt a severely disabled baby. Well, I'm not going to go into the story to save time, how we won the court case. It was two months. They threatened to burn down the churches of Kenya. Tremendous testimonies along the way. Sometimes I can take a whole service just telling what happened. But we won. Now I have a baby. Severely disabled, that takes $500 a month just to get medical paraphernalia to keep her alive because she has a tracheotomy and other things. We had to buy a suction machine. My wife became a nurse to suction her out 12 times a day so she wouldn't die in her own fluid. I had to sacrifice a month of all of our money to go to the court to prove them I could keep her alive if you granted me this baby. I had a month with no food. Now listen to this. Every day, somehow God provided one day we had missionaries. I was over Africa. I was in church playing, like I told you, for 10 years. And a missionary was coming from us from Uganda. And my wife said, you know, I wish we had some cheese and, and uh, hamburger to, to make them a Spanish meal. 10 minutes later, there's a knock on the door. I open the door, nobody's there. But there is a box filled with hamburger and cheese. <laughs> and I looked at her, why didn't she ask for tomatoes and onions? <laughs> Let's do it good next time. <laughs> but... God supplied. We win the court case, and I need $500 a month every month, and I did not budget for that. I did not itinerate for that. Every month it came in somehow. Whether I had a check from the UK, 500 you know, pounds that came up to 500 every month God supplied for four years. I'm just telling you how God can supply your needs. We get into crisis, God can supply your needs. Next. You can see they have gauze. They're just keeping her head on her shoulders. Next. Four years later, she's in ICU, 10 days unconscious. Either my wife or I, I had my parents. They were missionaries and people that knew how to pray, people that knew faith, people could see visions. And my dad would see things and then we would be doing it at the hospital. And, and so we were fighting for her life. They were ready to give up. They tried to bring her out of a coma several times. They said, you know, we can't do it. 
We're going to try one more time. You can stay in the room, Reverend Hanson, but don't get in our way. We'll throw you out. Now, during those 10 days, doctors and nurses kept coming in. Tell how you kept this person, now she's four years old, alive. She was cut through the esophagus. She should be dead. CNN did the story, Miracle Baby Won't Die. CNN. They do something right, huh? No one's in a blue moon. And so I tell them the story. That's why they let me in the last day. We're going to let you in as we're trying to revive her, but don't get in our way. Okay, so they're trying, and her vitals are climbing. Even this four-year-old can have a heart attack and stuff. They're climbing and climbing, and God says, pray for her. I said, God, they're going to throw me out. Pray for her. Father, they're going to throw me out. The third time, God said, pray for her. And I, I argued the third time. I said, God, they're going to throw me out. He said, if you don't pray for her, your daughter will die. He had seven physicians working on her. I squeeze in, and they're looking at me like I'm a nut. Who let this guy in? And Don, I start to rebuke the spirit of death. That really scared them. Spirit of death, go in Jesus' name. And her vitals come down. They're looking around, but it worked. Boy, the vitals came down. I quit praying and they climb. I rebuke it the second time. Spirit of death, go in Jesus' name. The vitals come down. I quit interceding, they go up. And I rebuked it the third time, and this is what happened. Next. She opened her eyes and she was perfect. She can breathe, she can talk, she can eat. She was never supposed to be able to breathe or talk on her own or eat on her own in her life. She was on tubes and stuff. God can do anything. Can you hear me? Now, we prayed for four years. We did not give up. Sometimes it might not. I could tell you tons where they happen right now. But healing is per We did not give up. We did not lose hope, hope, faith, and victory. Amen? I don't believe in giving up. And I don't believe in giving up for America. And I don't believe in giving up for you. This is Jonathan Hansen. I hope you've enjoyed today's warning radio program. I think you'll all agree we're living in extremely dangerous times. Moloch, a Canaanite deity associated with child sacrifice, seems to be the spirit ruling America Day. The leaders of the world do not look to God as a supreme leader, deity, worthy of loyalty, worship, and obedience. Instead, they're worshiping Moloch, the god of destruction, the god of death, the god of immorality that kills babies as they offer it to Moloch. The Bible is so strong in this area. Throughout the Bible, when the Israelites engage in the morality of Moloch, even to the extent of killing their own children in the fires of Moloch, God judged them. They went into bondage and slavery as everything they did failed. Leviticus 18.21, do not allow any of your children to be offered to Moloch. The morality of Moloch includes not only killing babies in the mother's womb, but also homosexuality, lesbianism, cross-dressing, adultery, fornication, cohabitation, drunkenness, idolatry, deceit, witchcraft, etc. Now let me ask you a question. Do you enjoy this program? It really needs your help. As we close out the year 2022, we are $69,000 in the red. We spent more money than we took in, and we're just talking about maintaining our budget. Can you help me make up the difference? Also, two of our computers went down, one radio and the other our media computer. 
$2,000 have already come in for that, but we also need another $1,600, $1,600. Maybe God would speak to you about helping us in that area. If you want to pay the whole thing, that would be wonderful. If you want to just pay part of it, anything would help. We also need another $13,000 if we're going to pay off our ministry van to use Crossing America, sparking another great awakening. As you know, we need another great awakening. I need you to help me in this area to spark another great awakening. I need a good vehicle. I need another $13,000 to pay off that ministry van. I would love to give a bonus for my staff. I have three people full-time. They sacrifice a lot. One works absolutely free. I'd love to give them $500 a piece. Anything over $1,500 would come in. I would apply to the $69,000 I need to make up. Remember my phone number, 360-629-5248. My website, www.worldministries.org www.worldministries.org. You can give us a donation either way, by telephone or the website. If you want to send me a check, make it out to WMI, P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. Make it out to WMI, P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. Again, that's World Ministries International, P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. Do what you can. May God richly bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.